0: What about those deleted Bible verses? Welcome to the What About podcast, where we're going to explore some of the most common and commonly debated questions about life and following Jesus. Not going to claim to have all the answers, but I think we've got a pretty good feel on which questions to ask. So have you ever seen those pictures that float around sometimes on social media that that show up and they say something like, check your Bible and see if these 16 verses are there or not? And the idea is that there um, are some translations in their mind that are better than others because... Uh, the newer translations have omitted a bunch of different Bible verses. I'll give you a, a small list. Usually it's about 16. It's like Matthew 17, 21, Matthew 18, 11, Matthew 23, 14, Mark 6, 17. Those are four. Why don't you just go ahead and check your Bible if you want to for those and see if your Bible includes those four verses. If it does, there's a really, really high chance that your Bible is the King James version of the Bible. If it doesn't, there's a really high chance that your Bible is one of the newer translations that a lot of times come under fire for what they include and what they do not include. So what about that? Uh, I understand how that can lead to a lot of different questions about, is my Bible reliable? Why does Uh, For instance, the King James Version have at least 16 verses more than a lot of the newer translations do. And really, does that mean, and and it a lot of times boils down to this, does it mean that the King James Version or older translations are better than the newer translations that we have in the world? Well, I understand why that's a very common question. It's one of the most Googled questions that pertains to Christianity. And let me go ahead and say that whatever I say in these next 10 minutes, I do not mean to knock the King James Version of the Bible. That's just the one that most of us grew up on if we've been a Christian for any amount of time. and so we need to compare things to that. I will say also that um, if there are errors in you know manuscripts of the Bible at times, those are definitely or at least most of the time unintentional errors they wouldn't have meant to you know mistreat the Word of God or anything like that. Okay, let me say a few things about manuscripts. I'm going to use that word, and let me tell you what I'm talking about when I say manuscript. Nobody has access, they don't exist anymore. The writings that John first wrote or that Matthew first wrote his gospel on, that scroll was likely made of like some plant paper. Um, that doesn't exist for 2,000 years. And so nobody's got access to the original writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, whoever else wrote your New Testament. Nobody's got those. What happened is that those guys wrote and then scribes would take their writings and copy them or church people in the first century would take their writings and and copy them and copy them and copy them and copy them. And then what we are left with is copies of copies of copies of copies that we refer to as manuscripts. I would argue that the older manuscripts are better. They're likely to have fewer errors, uh, less changes and things like that. And so if you're asking me, I would want to have something that um, maybe was written in the second century instead of something that was written in the ninth century. You know, there's 700 years is a lot of time to accidentally incorporate some mistakes or make some errors in that. So when we talk about manuscripts, we're talking about copies of original New Testament and Old Testament documents. We don't have the originals, we have copies of copies of copies. Understandably, when we have copies of copies of copies, there may be some mistakes and maybe some changes or alterations that have happened along the way. Along the way, also, as time progresses, we begin maybe to find older manuscripts. Instead of relying on passages that we're translating from a ninth century, we may find something from the second century. That may have more value for translation purposes because it's got closer to the text that was originally written. It may include fewer mistakes and may just be a more accurate manuscript copy of the original Bible documents. So when we talk about manuscripts, that is what we are talking about. So what we what we find when we start digging into this is that translations of the Bible have adapted over time, and they adapt based on what kind of evidence or manuscripts are available. For instance, the King James Version of the Bible was translated first into English in 1611. That was a long, long time. So in the time between 1611 and 2022, when I'm recording this podcast, tons of manuscripts have been discovered. Those have shed more light on what the earliest repeated writings of the Bible would have contained. And so whenever new translations omit things that the King James Version translates in the text, that doesn't mean that new versions are inferior. It doesn't mean that those verses are heresy or anything like that. It simply means that they are not included in the earliest and best manuscripts to translate the Bible from. There is way more, and let me go ahead and be honest here, way more information about this than I can cover in 10 minutes, but I'm going to give you a very surface level Understanding of why some translations include these verses and why some don't. Now, you can Google that list, uh, 16 omitted verses, and you can find that list pretty much anywhere on the internet. I want to think about three main passages. All right, so if you're going to jot these down real quick, it's John 8 verses 1 through 11. Actually, that includes John 7 verse 53, but mainly it's the first 11 verses of John 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 37, and then 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. Those are three big ones that uh, seem to come into the forefront of this debate a lot. So, John 8 is the passage where Jesus is brought this woman who's caught in the very act of adultery, and uh, the people want to stone her, and Jesus says, Well, if you are without sin, then you cast the first stone, and then everybody just kind of walks away. Most newer translations, and I'm thinking about when I say newer, I mean like, American Standard Version, which was in 1901, so that's not all that new. It's new compared to 1611. Uh, Revised Standard Version, uh, New International Version, etc. Most newer translations either separate that passage from the main body of text, or they include it in something like brackets. Uh, Some other translations put it at the very close of John's Gospel, but wherever it's put... Most good translations give an explanation for why they've done what they've done with it. John 8 is a a collection of verses that most scholars would agree is factual, um, it is authentic, but it probably didn't show up in the earliest writings of John's gospel at the point where it is in John's gospel today. So this is nothing new. Uh, You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote to different audiences uh, at somewhat different times, and they tailored their gospel to the audience that they were writing to. And that is similar to what has happened with this small passage in John 8, verses 1 through 11. All right, second one was in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. If you have like a King James Bible, you're gonna find that Acts 8.37 is in the text. If you have um, an American Standard or a Revised Standard Version, that verse is not in there. In other translations that you may have, it's found in brackets or it is in a footnote. The verse is found in a sixth century manuscript, and then several later manuscripts from the 9th century and beyond. It's also found in an old Latin version that goes back to the 2nd century. But other than those, it's just not found in any other manuscripts. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not truth. It only means that it probably wasn't in that place in Luke's original writing of the book of Acts. Now, the need for faith, which is what Acts 8.37 teaches, is stressed in countless other passages in Acts and outside of the book of Acts. And so it's not that it's that removing it takes away our understanding of truth. It's just if we're going to be factual and authentic about what was included in the first copies, well then we got to deal with Acts eight thirty seven. Okay, one that's, that is slightly different is 1st John chapter 5 verse 7. Now, we could go into a lot of detail about this one, but I don't really want to do that. I will say that Erasmus, a guy named Erasmus, was responsible for the first printing of the Greek Testament after the printing press was invented. In his first and second editions, he didn't include what we have as 1 John 5, verse 7. It was around in some later Latin versions. Erasmus, uh, the translator, believed that he had the right text to that did not include this verse, but he would include it if just one Greek manuscript could be found with those words included. At some point, and with a lot of fighting, a copy was found that included the language, and so he stood by his word, and he included 1 John 5, 7 in his third edition. Almost all the textual evidence is against including these verses in the text. The only two manuscripts that support it are from the 14th and 15th centuries that's 1400 years and 1500 years after it was probably written for the first time. They show evidence that they were translated from Latin and so they didn't even come from the original Greek writing. So this one's pretty easy. If you're asking me, a Bible that omits 1 John 5 7 from the text is more truth to the text than one that uh, keeps it in. Let me close it up by saying this. Whatever Bible translation you have whatever you know you, you see these images of you know all these omitted verses whatever bible you own is still accurate it's still good none of these things influence doctrine if it does then it's included somewhere else in the bible what's important is not that we worry so much about what's omitted and what's included these people did their best job to figure out the accurate text of the bible what's important is that you read it and learn it and live it out in your life okay and so when we're talking about what about these omitted verses well okay i understand why we would have that question but let's just make sure we're not omitting the bible and its influence on our lives completely